Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Guidance is internal. Ignition sequence starts. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Permission to board, please. Permission to come aboard. Permission to board. Permission to board. Do I have some permission to board that sweet mothership? This is the Permission Granted Podcast. Welcome to a very special edition of the PGP as we recap WrestleMania weekend. It certainly got us talking. Pete Bellotti along with Kurt Sender and Kurt. Certainly the weekend, we had various opinions on just the overall product and and just doing wrestlemania but what did you make of just the whole thing you know it's funny pete when you talk about this show (laughs) i think i went into it with like two different opinions and i think i came out of it with those same opinions i kind of went in like not being able to look past the crowd not being there and it took me out of it when the first start i think those first couple of matches i was like i can't get into this show i'm trying i'm trying but it's just not working and then that boneyard match happened. It changed. <laughs> and that kind of changed yeah. it changed my whole opinion on the whole night. You know, even talking about, you know, the Seth and Owens match and the ladder match, they were good, but I just couldn't get excited about it. And then after that, I enjoyed the show. And I enjoyed going forward what we got, especially going into night two, and I was able to look past the fact that the crowd wasn't there because I got excited going into Sunday. So mixed bag for me. Uh, I liked night two more than night one, and I think I was in the minority on that front. But yeah, what did is, you think? Which is surprising. It's surprising. I I, I liked I, I liked night two uh, more than night one. I thought the re- better wrestling was night two. Uh, I, but they didn't help themselves by opening with what they opened with. The two matches they opened up with in night one, I think, really really didn't set a good tone in terms of uh, intensity or just energy that you need, especially in an empty arena or empty complex, wherever they are. And that was the one thing that stood out to me. Uh, I thought that after I saw the graveyard uh, match, I I said to myself, you know, they probably should have did something similar to what you would be able to do if you were playing WrestleMania, the arcade game. And that's how you know how you can play in in Shawn Michaels' Heartbreak Hotel. They should have made it where every match was like in a themed place. Like it was you were in Becky Lynch's um, uh, house or something like that. I I think that doing something different for every one of the matches could have uh, made the show stand out even more than it did and could have eliminated that thought of uh, silence in the crowd. But 
after that, after the uh, the Becky Lynch match started, I started ignoring the crowd, and, and it didn't really matter to me after that. Yeah, you know what it is? Like I said, going in, I knew what we were going to get, and I think it was just something different. You know, it's something different when you see the WrestleMania sign and the WrestleMania banner, and then you see no fans versus a Raw or SmackDown. It just kind of, like, hits you even harder that this is of what this is supposed to be and what it isn't, you know? Yeah, and, the, and, and those dead spots, those dead spots where you would expect an announcer to cover it up, you don't need uh, the announcers just uh, letting it breathe. you got to have the announcers cover those dead spots. Right, and, and like I said, it was, the, the matches were not bad by any means. That's not at all what I'm saying, because I thought they were actually pretty good, especially in the start of the first night. But, again, I just, for me, and this is just my opinion, I couldn't get past the fact that there was no crowd at a WrestleMania for the first 90 minutes, almost two hours of the show. And no matter what they did, whether it be jumping off of a ladder or I think Owens jumping off the sign grabbed my attention, and we'll get to that match later, but it just didn't get me excited until we saw what would happen. And going back to your point of doing matches in outside of the ring and other moments, knowing what we know now when we saw the Boneyard match, the Firefly Funhouse match that were both amazing, Yes, but going into WrestleMania, I don't know if we would have been like, hey, every match is going to be in a different venue <laughs> and been like, okay with that. <laughs> no, one, no one knew what to expect. You weren't going to go into it and do every match like that, just not knowing what we know now. Exactly. Uh, I, I, let's start there, actually. Let's start with the specialty matches. And, of course, the Firefly Funhouse match where uh, Ray Wyatt beat John Cena. And, and then before that, the night before, with the Boneyard match with The Undertaker beating AJ Styles. Both matches, to me, were a change in terms of how you do specialty matches. You have to, oh, yeah, big time. You have to now start looking at uh, other shows, especially when we get, when we get going with uh, crowds and, and people start coming back to wrestling matches. I think you have to start thinking about doing these type of matches more frequently than you would normally. Yeah, more frequently, but at the same time, you've got to be careful. You don't want to do them too often because then you lose you know, the specialty of a specialty match. Right, you like know? with anything. Exactly. I mean, Undertaker's a perfect example of this. You know, he had a million different specialty matches over the length of his career, whether they were, you know, coffin matches or buried alive matches or initially Hell in a Cell was his match. You know, you don't want to overexpose those sort of things. And now here we go with things like Boneyard matches. And I mean, Bray Wyatt could do a Firefly Funhouse match with everybody for all we know, very simply. But you don't want to do that sort of thing every- every single uh, pay-per-view, every single week. I-, I loved it. I thought it was a brilliant uh, way to approach the situation that they had. Yeah. I had a feeling they were going to do something outside of the arena. I didn't realize they were going to go full-blown <laughs> cinematic with Taker and Styles or go full-blown, you know, trippy uh, nostalgia trip, more or less, with uh, Cena and Wyatt. But I loved both of them. Even though they were so different from one another, they entertained me to the, almost the same level. There was times during the Firefly Funhouse match where I really had no idea what I was watching. I, I it was the first time ever I would first time ever I would watch a wrestling show and have no idea what exactly I was watching. And and, and it was just so. Do you well still know done. what you were watching? Uh, now I do. Now I get a sense. That I, I get the sense it was basically tapping into John Cena's past and throwing in some old school wrestling in there as well with the NWO references with uh, the Saturday Night Main Event references. It was beyond something I've ever seen in wrestling. And you could talk about, you could talk about Broken Matt Hardy. You could talk about even the, the, uh, the Boneyard match. That was the match that stood out to me, and that's the one I think everyone's going to be looking at when it comes to a WrestleMania moment. 
Mm-hmm. No, well, real quick, I'll just go back to the Cena thing for one second. I think the Cena thing, I've heard this from a lot of people, was more or less like showing the, his character over the years in the sense of like the fact how much he, he's buried other guys and the, you know, the criticism he gets. And they kind of compared him very much to Hogan right. during his time with the Saturday Night Main Event segment and, of course, the NWO with the belt. So it's very much like, you know, hey, you're following a path. You think you're a good guy, but you're really like Hogan with some of this stuff. And the fact that John Cena and even Vince McMahon with the puppet allowed themselves to be made fun of like that for our entertainment, I give them big credit for it, big pops. And, but, and the scuttlebutt, the scuttlebutt in the in the dirt sheets uh, out there, I don't know how true it is, that John Cena did have his fingerprints all over this along with Bray Wyatt and Bruce Pritchard, which I makes it. sense. I, be- I definitely believe it. And then, you know, we're, we're talking about the Boneyard match. Um it was just so well shot and so well done. And yes, it was like Matt Hardy's, you know, broken universe, but with cinematic Hollywood effects and the only that WWE can do. But it was so entertaining. Well, from yeah. Everything from Taker, the Druids, Gallows and Anderson's role, the, the, the throwbacks to old buried alive matches with the tombs was so well done. And you just I feel like when they finished that, they were just they knew for a fact this is going to be what everybody's going to be talking about whenever we decide, whichever night this is going to be on. Yeah, see, everyone talks about the Matt Hardy thing and how they stole from Matt Hardy. Look, I think it was just totally, as a totally different realm, I think it was a step up in terms of the production value compared to the broken Matt Hardy stuff. Big time. Um, It's it's different in my my eyes. I I can, you know, invitation is the most sincere form of flattery. And if you look back in WWE history, they do... Do things like this. I mean, you could say the Attitude Era was a playoff for ECW. They take the concepts and they make it, they add to it and make it their own. That's that. It's nothing surprising if it, when it comes to WWE. To me, I I saw a difference, um, but I thought the great uh, the Boneyard match was just beyond anything that the uh, Broken Matt Hardy stuff was. Yes, it was, and and you know what I like about it too. And we talk, we're going to talk about this, I think, with a lot of the other matches on the card. We look at things and go, what's going to happen after you know, WrestleMania with these people. I don't think anybody cares what's going to happen with these four people after these matches. You know, Taker is going to go away for a while. Cena is going to go away for a while. Bray and Styles will come back and do stuff down the road. Nobody cares because those two segments were so entertaining and so great, and we're still talking about them days later, that none of that matters. You just got to sit back and enjoy it. And I think so many times we get caught up in, like, what me and you are talking about now Mm -hmm. as far as, you know, booking and where people are going to go and who should have went over and it was nice to just sit and enjoy two really, really entertaining segments, especially considering everything that's going on in the world today. Yeah, you, you need that. You need that break away from reality, and those matches gave it to you. Now we told no, those about- those matches gave you two. That's the other part of it, Pete. Those two matches really took you away from the fact of what's going on. Right. You you could put those on in a eighty thousand arena situation, and it may not have been as effective, but it, <laughs> you would have been just fine. You you forgot during those twenty minute segments or whatever they were that. Yeah. It, of the world we were in. It definitely would have been effective in the if they did it in Tampa. It would not have been as effective as it was. Now you get to see a new realm, a new a new side of the business that we're seeing now. And let we, me ask you this, Pete, real quick. Sure. Do you think do you think that we would have gotten these two matches had we done this show, had the WrestleMania been done as normal no, as I think, or would I, we have had two regular matches? Two regular matches, it would not, it would not have been something that's stuck in our heads like it it does now. Uh, I agree. And that's, I, I agree completely. That's a very important thing to take out of all this, and how much is it's going to possibly change the business and change even WWE's mindset in terms of matches like that. Mm-hmm. Now we talk about the future. Let's move on to the future. Drew McIntyre and Braun Strowman 
and Drew McIntyre is the future of WWE. We have a documentary called Chronicle on the WWE Network that caught me during that period from going from Royal Rumble, 40,000 people screaming when I won, to finding out where the PC, and I'm really angry and I'm really disappointed, and I can't believe I finally get my first ever world title shot, and it's at WrestleMania, that it's going to be in front of nobody. And a little time passed, I was sitting at home, I was watching the news, I realized how bad things were getting. I was talking with my wife about it, and I realized, you know, this is a selfish way I'm thinking about this. This is bigger than me. Yeah, heard from Drew there. And, I mean, we're talking about a guy who I'm so happy they went through with it, despite everything that's going on. Of course, we had talked about the chance maybe they were going to push it off to a different time when Drew will be in front of a crowd. I'm so happy that they went with it and kept to the plan and made him WWE champion. The reactions on social media from people were great. Um, people were a little – some people obviously were upset they didn't get to be there in person for it. But you know what? Drew needed to win this. Drew's the face of the of the red brand now. Some people might say the face of the company now, and it's the way to go. It, See, it's definitely the way to go, and it, I'm fine with it. It's definitely the way to go. I would have did it in an eighty thousand seat stadium. I would have did it at SummerSlam. I would have I would have held this one off. That that's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I get why they did it. I get why they put the belt on him, and then they go on Raw and they have him beat the Big Show, making it seem like he beat Brock and the Big Show in the same night. Uh, making it seem like he cut a promo after uh, after he beat Brock, and then the Big Show came out and challenged him. That was creative. Uh, that was WWE creativity, and that was uh, it looked really good as far as I'm concerned. It make, makes Drew look good, makes him look like the champion that he should be. That he is a conqueror of of two larger than life athletes, and they're doing the best with a with a, ter- with a terrible situation, obviously. But uh, I. I would have put the belt on Drew later, but I understand why they did it. My my main gripe with the whole match, and this goes to what you were just talking about, and we can tie in this Braun Strowman thing, was they were the same match. They were the, the two matches were the exact same match. They paired off hitting finishers against each other, mm-hmm. and then the babyface won. I mean, that's what it was. That's, that's what, what that's what exactly. Well, and and I don't understand. I don't think we needed. While I agree with the results of both matches, I feel like one of them, namely. Um, Brock and Drew could have done a little bit more in their match. I'm not talking we need, I don't think we need like a 25 minute classic or anything like that because I don't think either of those guys would have done that well. But, you know, give me 10 minutes. Well, you get I don't the, think that would have been too much to ask. You get the sense Brock's, um, Brock's uh, desire to be in that building was not there. Uh, you could tell whenever he has a match, if he's not into it, you saw it with him and Dean Ambrose back at WrestleMania 30, uh, 32 in Dallas. Uh, it seemed like Brock wasn't into it, and that match suffered for it. Uh, I think this was the same here. I, it, this was the, the objective was just putting over and getting the the recognition to Drew McIntyre, and that's what they you know, did. Yeah, Pete, but you know what I'm going to also say with that, and I'm, the more I think about it, I think maybe Brock sees more money in Drew, and I think he sees another match down the road where they can do a little bit of a longer match. Like there's more meat on the bone, so to speak. I can and see that. that it, just maybe right. down the road, yeah, maybe Drew and Brock have a bit of a longer match at a SummerSlam or something down the road where then people can pop more because they believe Lesnar's going to beat them, mm-hmm. beat him. You know what I mean? Right. And you can get that same reaction if Lesnar hits four F5s after a couple of Germans in, a, you know, in TD Garden in Boston this summer if we ever get to that point. I, I think there's more meat on the bone in the storyline. Brock can come back down the road and we can do this again after Drew knocks off big shows and other people of the world in taped matches from now until then. Let's just let Drew and this storyline continue and go. 
and let's see where he goes with his first WWE title reign. I'm very much looking forward to it, and I think that's basically the big point. Now, Braun Goldberg seemed yeah. like it was just a, a prelude to Reigns getting the belt back whenever we're back into regular uh, uh, regular life. Yeah, yeah, but at the same time, I don't think you want to hot shot the belt off of Strowman. I think they're going to give Strowman a chance here to. You I know, hope so. I, I don't think they will. I don't think they will. I, I hope so. But if they were smart about it, they would give a little run for for Braun. But I don't think they're going to do it. I think I think the plan is to get it off and get it to Roman, which is what they wanted to do here. Well, if Roman wasn't going to work WrestleMania for the health reasons, I don't see why he's suddenly going to work SmackDown on Friday. That's just my thought. Right. So nothing has really changed yet. So, But I think at the same time, you can put the belt on Reigns whenever you want. It's not going to matter whether you do it now or later. So if I were them, given the situation, give Strowman a little bit of a run here as champion. See if he can pick up some steam. See if his character can evolve a little bit. See if fans will get behind him. It can't hurt. Worst case scenario, you do what we're just saying now, and you have Reigns come in and say, I never got my title match at WrestleMania. Boom, he beats Strowman, and we're done. Yeah. Good thing. Strowman, Strowman gets over and becomes good. Now you have Reigns come in. Now you have two heated up superstars who could fight each other. And there you go. You see, so I, I mean, it's a win-win to give him a little bit of a run here. I, I'm thinking about it now, and, like, and I was thinking about it when the match was happening. Why not keep the belt on Goldberg? You know, why, why just keep the belt on Goldberg, and then you know he could go away, kind of like Brock does, and then whenever the time is right, Roman and Goldberg have the match, and, and at least, and it gives Goldberg a little bit of steam going into that match with Roman. He doesn't need it, but I mean, I think this is worse for for. Um, for Drew, not Drew, for, for Braun to put the belt on him and then just take it off of him. Because I'm telling you right now, Goldberg did not want to work past this date. He was not supposed to work past this date. Now, well, enough Goldberg, money you can. For another, Goldberg, for another payday, can come back right. and beat Strowman, let's say, in, oh, I don't know, Saudi Arabia in a couple of months. <laughs> and then you can have Roman Reigns beat Goldberg at SummerSlam. I mean, the, there's definitely a way to do this where it makes sense. But my point is, you don't need... This way, at least you have the champion on SmackDown almost each and every week going forward when we need that, obviously. And Goldberg, who, you know, is over 50 and has a pre-existing condition of being Goldberg, can stay <laughs> home and be fine, and he'll be good. We don't have to worry about Goldberg. The pre-existing condition of being Goldberg is, uh, we'd say, under a minute matches, right? Yes, something like that. And I look, <laughs> Goldberg is good for what he is, but the fact is, when you have a one two-minute match for the Universal Championship and one four-minute match for the WWE Championship. That's not what I want to see at WrestleMania anymore. We've seen it year in and year out now, and I want one or the other. Like last year, we got, you know, Brock was quick with Seth Rollins, but we got Daniel Bryan and Kofi Kingston in a long classic. Give me one of each, we need at a, least. We need a contrasting styles in, exactly. in the championship match. Something that was just back to an old-school storytell, Edge and Randy Orton. Uh, this match... A last man standing's ma- standing match, a little long for me. Uh, they went throughout the entire performance center, uh, but it told a great story, um, especially from Edge's part. Yeah, I, I, and I agree with you when you say that it was a little bit too long. I think maybe there was a couple of those backstage segments that could have cut out. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of. Um, was it WWF No Mercy? I can't remember where you'd go, you know, you'd Irish whip someone into the backstage area on yeah. N64 and you'd go into another area right. and then you'd Irish whip a guy through a door <laughs> and you'd be in another area. And it just like kept going. Great <laughs> like game, by the way. New... It's a fantastic game. One of the best. <laughs> but that's how you, they just kept going into these new areas. I feel like if you could have cut, a, cut out maybe two or three of those areas and made it a much tighter match. Um, it was great as far as I'm concerned emotionally. The emotional attachment was there, you know. 
going in, I think I wanted Orton to win because I wanted to see the storyline continue. But about halfway through the match, I changed that opinion. I'm like, Edge has to go over here. I need Edge to win. I want him to win. And to have him win the way he did, hitting Orton with the concerto on top of the truck was, was fantastic. Yeah. The emotion in his face was great. It would have been better, in my opinion, would have been better if that was the first concerto he had done and he hadn't done it to MVP a couple of weeks earlier, which still doesn't make any sense to me. But it killed the if flow. he had just done it there. It but killed it, the flow. All, Yes, it did. But the match itself was, I thought the match itself was laid out well, just too long, cut out about eight to 10 minutes of it. And I think you've got a really good match that we all would have enjoyed. Again, another match that took us out of the arena. We didn't, we were not reminded that the fans weren't there. And I think it was good. I liked it for myself. I liked it. I just think they could have cut out about eight minutes of it. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. It was just, uh, for me, in an environment like that, time is a big key, and mm-hmm. and you gotta. I think you had to keep that a little tighter than it was. Um, them tr- going in a circle, basically around the arena, was not uh, did not help me. Uh, I I'm, I have a short attention span. I need to uh, pay attention to, to, to things uh, not not so complex. Um, I, I, but it really told the story of Edge and and just fighting with himself, fighting it with, with himself. Uh, against a guy who he's had so much history with, and and you couldn't do it with anybody other than these two, and, and just because of their experience, just uh, you can go to their history to build this match, and they did it, and they did it perfectly. I don't know where it goes. Uh, I, I I mean I don't think you get Edge in the ring uh, more frequently. I think you get him every so often, like a special attraction. You might get a rematch with these guys, but I don't see it happening uh, anytime. Well, anytime soon. I mean, right now there's no reason for a rematch, you know, because of obviously there's no reason for them to fight again until mm-hmm. Orton does something stupid. <laughs> well, oh yeah, but we'll see what we'll see what happens. I, I, look, I think it was a solid blow off to a two month feud that went that started at the Rumble, and maybe they both. Edge should be around starting maybe next week or two weeks from now. Orton should take a little bit of a time off, I think, to recover from this. But I'm interested to see where both of them go from here. And we talked about it on the uh, preview podcast. We talked about the whole uh, dynamic of saving moments for the summer or saving moments for later on once we are back to normal. Uh, And that applies with a lot of the women's matches on WrestleMania. And, and just the stories with that. Let's start with Becky and Shayna Baszler. Uh, that match was in a, in a setting of Tampa Bay in 80, with an 80,000-seat stadium that was built for Shayna Baszler to beat Becky Lynch. In this stage... It was, was it, though? I think it was. It was definitely built for that. That was, I think, the moments in WrestleMania, if we were in an 80,000-seat stadium and everything was normal, would have been... Shayna Baszler going over and Rhea Ripley going over, and and, and that's they had a they were wanted to move on to the next level in terms of their women talent and bringing in the the, the next stage, the next phase of their female talent. Okay, but I'll disagree just with one point in the sense of I don't see where in any of these storylines it was built for Becky to lose. I feel like they didn't even build Shayna up as a threat. <laughs> I really feel like they did the Elimination Chamber where she like destroyed everybody in there, and that was fine. But I just get the feeling that Becky was always going over here, and I don't know why that was the case. And so the Charlotte and Ripley, and we'll get to that match, I think, a little later, but the point is just 
if Charlotte, I don't think they decided to send Charlotte to NXT on a whim. I actually think this might have been the plan the whole time going forward. No, I, 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 I thought it was going to be Rhea Ripley getting a win and getting the, what they say in the wrestling business, the rub off of Charlotte and, and just establishing herself as a main player. Uh, and Shayna Baszler, the same thing. I I thought the, uh, the victories in WrestleMania were going to be their launching pad. They're going to do it differently now, as we as we saw on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, Becky Lynch taking the victory over Shayna Baszler, and you saw the little buildup on Monday Night Raw that this is going to continue on. And Rhea Ripley, that match was the best women's match of the whole uh, show, I thought. Uh, Agreed. It, Rhea Ripley, you saw the fight and her fighting off the, the leg injury, and Charlotte just just had the experience factor in her favor, and that, that put her over the top with the NXT title. And I think, I think, like I said, both of those matches I thought would have been made for WrestleMania in an eight thousand seat stadium with those two guy, two women becoming the next uh, players in the wrestling business. Yeah, uh, you know what? Yes. I agree. Ripley would have probably then gone over in that situation. It just seems so surprising to me that we went down this road. I mean, did Charlotte, does Charlotte need to be NXT champion, Pete? No. I mean, honestly, does she? That's why I thought it was going to happen. That's why I thought Rhea Ripley was going to beat her originally. Uh, That's why. She does not need the NXT title. Uh, She's done far more than the NXT title. And that's why I, I, I didn't see it happening uh, in a normal circumstance. No, and I, I think I'm curious to see where they go from here because they've been they have such a deep women's division in NXT to now put Charlotte at the top of it. Yes, we'll give them all something to shoot towards, but I thought they already had that with Rhea Ripley. And unless they're moving Ripley to SmackDown for some reason, because we saw Belair Bianca Belair go to Raw last night. Now, I don't know what they're doing. No, I, I, and even with the even with Bianca Belair going to Raw. And Apollo Crews going to Raw. I, I don't. I don't look at it like that yet because we're in a different circumstance. I think it was just finding the bodies that were there that could work. Uh, so we'll see what happens after we get uh, back to uh, phase one and and back to normal. Uh, but I don't know what they. I, I think they're just flying off the seat of their pants with with a lot of this stuff and especially the women's division. And it was. In their minds, they probably thought we can't do this right now. We got to wait. Yeah, maybe that's what they thought. I mean, <laughs> I still think it's the wrong decision. I still think you should have put Ripley over. If there's like we we had talked about in the preview show, how I think they needed to stick with certain moments that they were going to do regardless. And I think this was one of them that, unless that was the plan all along, they should have stuck with because I think the match was great and Ripley looked great as a in a loss, which I don't mind. But, by the way, her ring gear was fantastic. Oh, I noticed a lot of people talking about that. Of course. <laughs> but I, 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 think they've built, I think they've built something here, and the women's division is intriguing on both shows right now. Uh, winners and losers. We talked about this. Uh, you and I talked about this over the weekend. Um, there were some things that stuck out that, in a positive and a negative way. I'm going to give you one right off the bat. Uh, Gronk. I thought was a big loser on this on this show. <laughs> you bring in Gronk to 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 have him win the 24-7 title. I mean, there was so much more you could have did with Gronkowski, and I think they dropped the ball on that one. I think this goes back to what we were talking about in the preview show where I said you don't want to do too much with Gronk too fast. 
And I think the 24-7 championship, while it's nothing, it doesn't hurt anybody that he wins it. It's something for him to do that's notable, and he'll probably drop it in a couple of weeks, if not sooner. So, yes, I agree with you that he wasn't as entertaining as – I mean, he was about as entertaining as I expected him to be because I don't find him that entertaining to begin with. <laughs> he was Gronk. Yeah, I mean, he was he was himself. He was this character that he's created of himself. And you know what? For Rob Gronkowski to be 24-7 champion instead of Mojo Rawley or R-Truth, I don't see the major harm either way. I'll give you somebody who I thought surprised me as far as somebody who stood out in a match to me, and that was Lacey Evans in the mm. SmackDown women's match. I wasn't expecting a whole lot out of that match. I really figured it was just going to be something that we'd see to get us further down the Sasha and Bailey road, and it kind of was. But the person that they used to do that was Lacey Evans, and she was strong enough in that match where there was a couple of points there where I thought, you know what? She might walk out of here as SmackDown champion. Well, you know, you know, if they didn't decide they wanted to do Sasha and Bailey, I think she would have. I think she she doesn't benefit from the Sasha Bailey uh, direction they're going right now. Uh, I think it was all groomed for her to take the title, and mm-hmm. it's. I think she's going to be on the back burner for a little bit uh, unless they switch brands or they or they do something different with her. But she, she did have an impressive showing, and that is that is someone on the female side. I will agree with you on that. That is someone on the female side. It's like now in queue. They they basically are waiting their turn when they should have had their turn right now. And another guy that's like that, that had a great showing in WrestleMania was Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens, they had him built up as maybe a, a potential stone cold type uh, with this feud with Seth Rollins. And you, he lost a little steam during the feud, I thought, but in WrestleMania with this match and the, and the leap off of the WrestleMania sign to uh, onto Seth Rollins to get the victory. I thought he had, one of his best showings in WWE with what he, with what he did at WrestleMania. I don't know where it leads him. I don't know where it puts him. I don't know if he goes to SmackDown in, a, in the brand extension draft. I don't know if he stays on Raw and is just fighting for a mid-card title. But Kevin Owens, to me, stood out, uh, stood out above and beyond a lot of people on this card. I, you know, it's funny, you, you talked to me, we were talking uh, after night one, how much you loved that match, and I was not a big fan of it. So, But I thought maybe it was because, again, I was a little bit jaded and still not able to get over the fact that there were no fans in the building. So I went back and I rewatched it, and it was a very good match. And Owens and Rollins did a great job. And yes, Kevin Owens jumping off the WrestleMania sign is something they will show over and over again going forward. It just still lacked the emotion. That's just my thought. Mm-hmm. It just lacked that emotion, and it lacked the high stakes. Like I understand Owens beat Rollins. Great. I don't understand. I don't. I just didn't get the feeling of like, you know, Kevin Owens did something great or Seth Rollins lost something major. The stakes weren't high in it. You know, yeah. maybe it was because they fought so many times. Or, or maybe it was because they restarted the match for some reason because it turned into the no DQ. I don't know. But whatever it was, there was something missing in that match. However, to your point, Kevin Owens had a tremendous performance. I thought he was very strong in the match. And as you, and it's nothing new. Kevin Owens has shown that he's been very good time in and time out. The question is if they're ever just going to give him a sustained push and stick with it. Because every time he seems to get going, they just pump the brakes and they go in a different direction. So maybe it's time to give him a sustained push here. Maybe Kevin Owens is the guy to kind of feud with Drew McIntyre. Who knows? Let's see what they do. To his detriment, it, it, he's been, he's been, the res, it's been the result of bad booking. Kevin Owens a lot of times. Uh, a lot just, of times, yes, just, I agree. And just bad, uh, bad place at the at the wrong time. Uh, you have one. You have one that uh, sticks out to you. One more. 
One more person from the card that sticks out to me. Yeah, you know what? I'll say this much. We haven't talked about it too much. Although I don't under, still don't understand why they needed to have it be for the tag team championships. All three of those guys in the ladder match stood out to me. Oh, it's excellent. You know, excellent. Match. And the good thing about that is for Marson and Kofi, I'm not surprised they both have been able to be very good at says, single stars. But, you know, um, which Uso was in the match? I forgot. <laughs> I think it was Jimmy. Jimmy or Jay? Whichever, One of them. Look, I, I think either, <laughs> the Usos are a great tag team, but I think they show that they can definitely, if they need to, go off as single stars and be just as successful. So good match by them in the ladder match all the way around. Again, in rewatching it, I found I found myself enjoying it a bit. Yeah, I'm going to rewatch this show uh, at some point this week uh, during the various amount of hours of quarantine time we have. <laughs> uh, and I, I'm sure I'm going to catch some things that I didn't catch already. But it, it, it's one of those shows you have to rewatch again. And now you move you move on to Raw last night, well Monday night, and and just what is going to happen next? And two uh, two people that are in the crosshairs. One is Seth Rollins, who they had uh, put over in a squash match, and just show how angry he is at losing the Kevin Owens. And this is going to be his build back into the main event. The the just the. The bitter at everything that happened, and I'm going to have a chip on my shoulder. And that's a good way to go with Seth Rollins. Yeah, and look, they still have Rollins with his, you know, he's got the Office of Pain. He's got Murphy with him. He's still got something to work with here. He's got something they can move on. They can heat him up anytime they want. He can be a guy who fused with Drew if they want to go that route. Seth Rollins is going to be fine. Kevin Owens is going to be fine. He's coming off a big win, so I think they're going to be all right. They gave some guys a chance to to showcase themselves last night, and I think they did a good job with that. Whether or not it resonated with the fans who were watching at home, that remains to be seen. You know, the ricochets of the world, the Apollo Crews of the world. Nia Jax. I don't know. Yeah, Nia Jax coming back. Not exact, I mean, look, strong performance from her, but not exactly the best-looking match that I've seen. It, it, you know, it's, she's throwing people around. It is what it is, a squash match. Look, Raw, it wasn't the same. It, obviously, as a Raw after WrestleMania, we're used to the crazy crowd. We're used to the big surprises. We're used to, you know, uh, major moments. And didn't really get that last night. But to be fair, I wasn't really expecting that last night either. I it was started, kind of expecting. It started, us it started off good, but I kind of expected it. The only thing I came away from the show that I actually can say the day after I'm still excited about is Bianca Belair being on Monday Night Raw. And it makes me think now that maybe they're going to have something in store for Friday Night on SmackDown, so I'll probably tune in and see if we're going to have anybody debut on Friday. And Otis, we got to mention Otis before we go. Otis and Mandy Rose, that was was a nice little storyline that had a good ending, and it it just was perfectly laid out. It was very well laid out. I really liked how it did. And again, another match that had the moment happened in front of a crowd, that moment when Mandy came out and slapped Sonya and then goes into the ring and he wins and then they kiss, crowd would have went crazy. Instead, nothing. Nothing. Which is, you feel bad for, but at the same time, watching at home, great moment, very excited. Otis has, Otis is an example of a guy who should not be in the position he is in, but got over on his own and man, God bless him, the fans love him. So, Let's keep Otis rolling here, and maybe Otis and Tucker are in line for a little bit of a, a run towards the tag team titles, and who knows what's in the future. WWE certainly laid out some what-ifs as we go into this uncertain time, continue this uncertain time, and uh, for, when, for when we're ready to get back and uh, get into arenas and watch wrestling again, there's a lot of questions to need, that need to be answered, and 
They did it this weekend with WrestleMania and with Monday Night Raw. Kurt, thank you for joining me again. Pete, I wasn't expecting to be back so soon, but I'm really happy we got to do this again. And we let's hope the world of wrestling comes back to normal soon so we can do more of these in the future. Thanks for listening, everybody. Of course. Thank you for listening, everyone. And we'll talk to you soon. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.